everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy basketball tools and analysis on the entire internet. I don't know why you haven't gone yet. It's ridiculous. We say it every single episode. HashtagBasketball.com. Go check them out. I'm your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me as always is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? What a great day. It's good. I feel like it's about to get wild in our lives, which is good and maybe bad all at the same time. Certainly is. I want to take a real quick moment to just say thank you to, including thank you to you, Tyler, but thank you to everybody who reached out to me. Uh, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. There was a personal tragedy in my life and a lot of the fancy basketball community. And of course, my good friend, Tyler, very very supportive and very caring during this time. So thank you so much to everybody for the support. It meant a whole lot to me. And I'm actually really pleased to be back into the swing of things, doing something a little bit normal. And what a time to start back at it, Tyler. It's trade deadline week. How exciting is that? Well, it didn't seem like it was going to be that exciting, right? But now I feel like maybe we've it's gotten a little more exciting, and I feel like there's some hope for maybe just a little bit more excitement before the deadline. So we, we might be have been a little we might have been a little too hype on the trade deadline this year because I think we started getting excited about it like January first for some reason, and I was I thought there was going to be a lot of crazy nonsense, and it's been dead quiet until. What is, I would say, incredibly rare, the giant four-team trade that came, I, I feel like it comes out of nowhere. And all these all these trades that end up happening always seem to come out of nowhere. It's never something you heard being built up. It's not like, oh, Kevin Love going to Portland. We've been talking about it for 19 straight months. Well, you, you guys, you think if we've been talking about it for like more than three weeks and it didn't happen, like then it's probably can't happen. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, that's fair, right? And I think the we we hear this a lot, right? The trades you hear about are the ones that are A, already done, or B, pretty much dead, right? Like you don't hear about a trade that's coming and then it actually gets done. Like it's either already done or it doesn't actually happen. Yeah, these, these GMs other than Gar Foreman and John Paxson are paid to think about these things all the time they have teams of people other than gar foreman and john paxton they have teams of people thinking about these things they are way ahead of the general public they're way ahead of us they're way ahead of you dear listeners so the these trades will just hit you upside the head and i think we're gonna we're gonna save the big trade for last because it's a really complicated one and i feel like there's a lot of moving parts there and there's a lot to talk about so we'll we'll save that for last we're gonna knock out the easy ones and we're we're gonna get these to you obviously tonight and then well, hopefully there'll be a lot more tomorrow that we get to cover but Iguadala is going to the miami heat and then signed a contract with the heat for justice winslow and some undisclosed like pieces like i don't know if you saw the full trade or whatever but it's iggy for justice winslow and i find that a, as a really i find it as a weird trade because like aren't isn't justice winslow just like a a young, not that good Iguodala? Yeah, I guess maybe. I I don't know. Iguodala, for all the things that he's maybe not in the regular season, he's a proven kind of big shot maker in the playoffs. So if you really think you have a chance to win something, 
whether it's the East or the whole thing, right? Like putting the last shot in Justice Winslow's hands is definitely a lot more of a question mark than Iguodala, who's, I mean, we've seen hit some of those really important shots for the Warriors. I actually love Iguodala on this Heat team. Got a great training staff down there, obviously. So even though he is getting old, he's had a lot of time off, so he should be fine. He should get back into shape real quick. And he fits on this. He fits on this roster because he's just long, big, defensive-minded. And I'm I'm personally scared of a Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Iguodala crunch time lineup in the playoffs. If you're any team, yeah, I'm with you there. And and Woj just tweeted this deal could get a lot bigger. Miami, Memphis, and Oklahoma City are working on an elaborate three-team deal that would land the Heat both Andre Iguodala and Danilo Gallinari. So maybe that's why we don't really oh. know what the oh. full the full gist of all that is, right? We might have to table this one if Daniela Gallinari is involved. I think that's that's even way way more interesting of a move because then you got to reconfigure Denver and Denver's making no excuse me Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City might be making a ton of moves after that if they're if they're trying to sell off Chris Paul who knows so let's let's look at the trade as it is right now fantasy wise obviously Iguodala is now relevant. Which, which is a positive thing, but Iguodala definitely going to play limited minutes. Uh, he's def- I don't think he's going to like come out of the gate and just play like 35 minutes a game. Probably going to hang around a low 20 mark, just like he did in Golden State. And he wasn't really relevant there, except for maybe the occasional stream for like a steal and a block. And I think well, there's a lot more steal block guys out there that you can stream other than Iguodala. So I'm, I'm not excited if I'm in a standard league for Iguodala, but deeper leagues, go pick him up. And and we could see him start off real slow too. Like we could see him around that 15 minute game mark, I think for the first couple games, like, yeah, remember this guy hasn't played a, a second season. He was working out in California, but how hard and, and what kind of shape he's in, that's kind of all un- undetermined at this point. So it would not surprise me at all to see him like, you know, sneak in there like 15 minutes a game in his first game and then kind of slowly work his way up to 20 and then probably pretty close to 25 as they get close to the playoffs. And then that's really what the Heat want him for, right? The Heat don't need him for a regular season game. They need him in the playoffs. That's what he's being brought in for, and I think that's pretty cool for the Heat to try to make a run for it. No, I don't think anyone could have predicted that the Heat would be, you know, contending for an Eastern Conference title. Just goes to prove how good Jimmy Butler is. Shout out to Jimmy G Buckets. But let's go to Memphis then. They now have Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow, pretty good player. Kind of crowds up. Crowds up? I'm going to use that I'm going to use that phrase, Tyler. Crowds up the lineup in Memphis. You already have kind of limited 28, 29 minutes all over the place. No one's really playing more than 31 minutes a game. John Morant averaging about 30 minutes, 31 minutes a game over the last month. Obviously, he's safe. I'm worried about its effect on someone I, I, I kind of like to have gotten more minutes down the stretch, but now that Memphis is actually like projected to possibly make the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to go with Brandon Clark as much as I thought they would. I thought Brandon Clark would end up playing about 30 minutes a game here down the stre- long stretch of the end of the season, and now they're contending, and they got just Winslow in there. And I feel like Jay Crowder, Brandon Clark are the two players hurt most by Justice Winslow getting picked up by Memphis. Is Justice Winslow going to play? Like, I he, would he's, think he would. Yeah, but he's hurt, right? Sure. 
and he's played one game since December 6th. So in the last two months, he's played 15 minutes in one game. So he's got this he's- back backbone bruise and they he already ruled him out till the all-star game so i don't even i don't know even know when he's going to be back so let's, i think let's... he's due right after the all-star game so it's like you're not missing any games between this all-star game is what next weekend yeah not Very sunday but, but a sunday from that sure he got about three more games between now and the and the all-star game so right after the all-star game sounds like winslow would be back and and the big I actually thing think he's gonna. Is, I actually think he's gonna play Tyler. He should be in the rotation. Only question is, can he stay healthy? I mean, we've seen him play eleven games this season. That's it. It's um, been a really bad run for him this this year. So I mean, the health is a big question. Winslow's kind of a a funky contributor, right? Like he can do those rebounds, the assists, the steals. Points are okay. So I mean, he could get yourself a nice little fantasy bargain if you. Actually, is going to play a lot. The question, I guess, is can he stay healthy? And it's not looking promising. I don't love him as a fit on the Memphis Grizzlies because John Morant needs the ball in his hands. Justice Winslow is most effective when he's kind of doing a little point forwarding. So he could be like, kind of like a. Remember when Evan Turner was kind of running the second team in Portland a handful of like two, three years ago? I feel like that's Justice Winslow's best case scenario on the Grizzlies, which could mean like good things. Like Evan Turner had a very decent fantasy season running that second team. That's the best case scenario for Justice Winslow, like 26 minutes running that second team, getting some point forward stats. I'm not running out to go grab him for the reasons you mentioned. Hasn't stayed healthy all year due to that back problem. And I don't know if that's really what Memphis wants to do with them. So unless you're in a deep league or have like nothing else going on in your standard league and you have an IR spot, I'm not, I'm not rushing to pick him up, but I also, I think he's going to play like 27 minutes on this team, Tyler. And if he stays healthy, that could be, you know, at least a stream depending on how they utilize him. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. No, you were um, such a justice Winslow hater, Tyler. Oh, no, that's not fair to say. Uh, it doesn't seem like you like his chances. Hopefully he gets healthy, but right there, two kind of, you know, fringy non-moves out of those two players. Let's go to the Hawks-Kings move. The Hawks. This one is wild for me. Like, I'm not too sure what even happened here. I I'll, am also I'll not you sure s- what happened here. I'll let you say about it, then I'll read a Mark Stein tweet that maybe make, makes it make sense. Okay, cool. So, of course, the Hawks just dying to get Deadman back on their team for, for, for some unknown reason. Deadman not playing at all with the Kings. Dwayne Deadman coming back to Atlanta for the prolific Jabari Parker, who had a monster month when everybody on the Hawks were hurt. Alex Lynn, the guy they replaced Dwayne Deadman with. What? What's going on here? Yeah, so two, that's what I mean. Like, two second round picks, <laughs> I guess, as well. It did. It didn't make a ton of a ton of sense, right? Because like you could have had Dwayne Deadman back, and instead you signed Alex Len and, and whatever, whatever. Yeah, I don't know, but so here was the Stein tweet. It said a major motivation for the Kings trade with the Hawks is resigning Bogdan Bogdanovich. They think that they basically created the financial flexibility to match his offer sheet and restricted free agency, which. 
I guess makes it make a little bit more sense, but I'm still not too sure why the That's... king, why the kings, why do the kings want Alex Len or Jabari Parker? Like, are either one of those two even gonna play? Also, like, I get Bogdanovich is having a very good season, but like, are they that that excited about Bogdan Bogdanovich? I can't wait I to mean... sign his match his player option. Someone's gonna overpay for him. He's twenty. He'll be twenty eight next year. And I feel like that's a great, like, don't overpay for this dude. And someone's going to overpay. The Kings are obviously going to match because they're idiots. So, okay, good job. It gives you more flexibility. I guess that's the point for them. The King, this Kings team is, like, so strange now because they, like, I mean, they traded that, made that trade, and they got Baysmore. Like, they just have a ton of, like, rotation players. And how the heck they're going to shake this out, I really don't know. I'm, I'm really worried that it messes with Bielitsa. Because that 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 kind of score, Bealitz is definitely a more all-around polished player, way better than Jabari Parker. I'm hoping Jabari Parker doesn't eat into those Bealitz minutes because Bealitz is having a great, you know, second half here of oh, who the else season. Is he going to eat into Barnes? Yeah, like I guess that's, that's my point. Bar- is like I don't Barnes get- is barely. I mean, Barnes is playing 33 minutes a game. And you know is is incredibly trash. So I guess he's gonna play. Hopefully he cuts half of Barnes minutes and and, and he gets those. Bielis is playing thirty three. Bogdan Bogdanovich playing twenty eight. Baysmore is playing twenty three. I don't feel like they overlap that much. So yeah, I feel it's like gotta, he's got to get into Harry Barnes's spot, right? That's what I mean, if he's gonna play, or did they just trade for two guys to not really play them that much? Like I don't, I don't really know how this is gonna go because I mean, you look in that front court, and other than you know Bielitsa and and Barnes, they're playing Bagley, right? And they have Rashawn Holmes if he gets healthy, and so yeah, I don't, I don't know, man, I don't know, I don't, I don't like this deal because I don't really know where anyone's gonna play now. Well, Alex Lynn is hurt, so cool. You know, he'll be back after the all-star break. If they don't have like a, a real center, Alex Lynn could, that's the weird thing. Alex Lynn could just start at center and he could be that, immediately fantasy relevant. So, I mean, we've seen Len be somewhat good. And then this year, like he went to the Hawks and we were like, oh yeah, right, he's going to play quite a bit. And I mean, this was a second year on the Hawks, but when he played last year on the Hawks, he was pretty good. And then he just never really got many minutes and, yeah, I don't know. I think Len's one of those guys who's always going to tease us a little bit with the good permanent numbers and just never really be the fantasy option we want him to be. Yeah, probably not. If have you if, read his basketball reference? Because apparently his his name is not actually Alex. No, I did not. I'm not even going to venture to try to say his actual first name uh, because I will butcher it. But anyone who wants can read that on the basketball reference interesting why are you why are you holding out why are you holding out on us i don't honestly know how to say it oh alexki uh, i'm guessing is how you would say that if you guys know how to say alex lynn's real name please tweet at tyler at tyler p watts we are very interested in the phonetic sounding i guess spelling the phonetic spelling is that what you would call it so get it tyler at tyler p watts he loves basketball reference we still haven't got the nickname guy on the docket yet tyler that's on you that's on you this year. Well, many things are. It's very true. I I agree that this is a weird trade, and I think it only, like, you might get a couple games out of Alex Lynn, but in the long term, I don't care. So, like, if you want to take a flyer when Alex Lynn comes back and Rashard Holmes is still out, go right ahead. Like, I don't, I don't really care. 
hopefully it hurts Harrison Barnes and not Bielitsa, but if I don't know, Bielitsa is playing out of his mind, he might as well sell high on him anyway. I could see it hurting all three, or I could see them just maybe making another deal here and kind of opening it up. It's true. We might have to revise this entire podcast come tomorrow, which we definitely will if if that's what we have to do. So let's get to the big trade. Oh no, well let's talk about Deadman. Deadman is now in the Hawks with Clint Capella, which is in the big trade. I don't think Deadman's going to play much. He's going to play more than he was. Let's give him. I'll give him that. And but Deadman doesn't have to play a ton to be fantasy relevant, does he? Oh, that's true. Even in like 22, 23 minutes a game, he has been fantasy relevant. I just, I don't, I don't know where he's going to fit in behind John Collins and, and Clay Capella. I don't know if if he's going to even get twenty three minutes. I mean, who who else is going to play in that front court for the Hawks? Like clearly, the Hawks want to go big. They want to play a big front court for what whatever reason. I don't know. Um, Got to zig when everybody's zagging, man. Oh, I mean, like, okay, they're going to play DeAndre Hunter some minutes at the four, I guess, you know, but I could see an easy, you know, 22 minutes a night for Deadman, you know, fitting in there, playing a little three, playing a little four, or playing a little four, playing a little five, I mean. So, man, he might be, he might just be fantasy relevant again. Obviously, he's going to be a back-end option, and I don't think he's a must-pickup by any means because he could be playing 15 minutes a game, but... Something to watch. Like if he's playing 23 minutes a night, I might pick him up or at least stream him. Yeah, he could go from completely irrelevant to streamer. He might be an end of the bench guy, depending on the amount of minutes. Atlanta's going to want to get him. I think if you're in a bigger league and you need to take a flyer right now, out of all the guys we've talked about, Dwayne Dedman's the flyer I would take. I, they're probably, I'm going to guess there's probably better flyers out there for you. But maybe not. Maybe you're in a really deep league and you need something out of all this mess that's coming up in the trade deadline. And you need a big Dwayne Dedman could end up helping out your team down the stretch. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking of that, I got I got Dwayne Dedman on a team that has literally every player in the NBA drafted, which is not my favorite type of league. I'll just be quite frank with everybody. Don't like the leagues where I have to care about Dwayne Dedman, who was playing like eight minutes for uh, what was the last time? Like he just, he just, well, he had that nice 11 11 game the other day, but you know, where he's playing like 11 minutes a game. I just, I hate caring about players who play 11 minutes a game. I hate it. I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, I'm fine with all of that. It's time to talk about the big four way trade. Tyler, I'm going to read the trade, and then I'm going to let you pick where you want to start with breaking down this trade. All right. Minnesota is involved for some reason. Minnesota is acquiring Evan Turner and Jared Vanderbilt, who is a person who is on Denver. Denver is acquiring Shabazz Napier, Caleb Bates-Diop, and Noah Vonley, and for some reason, uh, Gerald Green. Who, who used to be semi-relevant when the three-point streaming system. Atlanta is acquiring Nene Hilario. Houston is getting Jordan Bell, who is probably the most interest, one of the most interesting pieces in this trade, including, and then also they're getting a second rounder. And Atlanta is uh, waving Chandler Parsons, along with, did I miss the main guy? Yeah, I missed Clint Capella going to Atlanta. You missed miss the two it? main guys. I missed the two, the two main guys. guys I, only copied, are... I only copied the nonsense. Robert Covington is going to Houston, and Clint Capella is going 
to Atlanta. So this and you missed a bunch of something didn't add up in that. You uh, missed a bunch of this because the Nuggets traded away Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez to the Hawks. Or no, to the to the it was to the Timberwolves. I'm sorry. I thought I thought copying like an entire paragraph was the entire uh, trade. Apparently, it was not. Oh, there was a twelve person trade. It was the biggest trade in a long time. So let's let's Lord. restart this. Let's, yeah, let's let's, let's start from the beginning. I'm uh, uh, guys. I'm a little, I'm a little rusty. Start from the top, Tyler. Okay, so you ready for this? I will read the trade if I can find it here and pull it up. So that way we get this down to the bottom of this bad boy. This is a okay. professional podcast. Okay, so okay, I see what you did here. You copied it from oh. this terrible article that did not do it. Okay. So uh, let's let's try to find a better article than that because that's not gonna cut it. Well, anyways, I mean let's let's just talk start here. Okay, the main part, Robert Covington going to the Rockets, and this is maybe the most interesting thing to me. They are going straight small ball all the time. They're all day, literally every day. Tall, their literally tallest player that they're gonna play is like six foot seven. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's super interesting. Covington's going to come in there and Covington can play a small ball. He played three. He can play small ball four. I actually wouldn't even put super small ball five. I'll put, I'm going to put it in Covington's abilities. Cause I, I love Bob Covington, Bob Covington having a weird year though. The plan is to basically play PJ Tucker as the five, right? The nominal five, like whatever you want to call it. Oh yeah. So what this trade does for Covington's value, I think is, we're going to see more threes because everyone on the Rockets not named James Harden or Russell Westbrook shoots a ton of threes, right? Like most of his field goal attempts are going to be threes. And I also think this could help his rebounding because the Rockets either going to get killed on the glass or they're going to need someone to rebound. And Covington is a fairly good rebounder for a, f- a forward type. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. I think we can... We could maybe see him get like closer to seven rebounds a game just because someone has to grab the ball for them and they have no big man to do that. This is a huge, a huge boost, I think, to Covington's value. Obviously, the rebounds, the threes, but then also it's like, I think it really helps Houston. They got this guy who can now run around and guard people on the perimeter and even kind of beast up with some of the, the smaller bigs out there. I really, I really, really like that. I think what it does, it kind of uh, cuts into either Eric Gordon or Eric, Ho- Eric House, Eric House, Eric House. Why, why can't yeah, I think of this? Daniel guy? House. Daniel House. Why? Who am I? Who's Eric House? Why am I? I am rusty. Very rusty. Apparently, I don't really think it does that much. And and this is why. Like, wasn't Capella playing like thirty some minutes a game? Certainly, he was playing thirty minutes a game. I just don't think it's going to be a straight one to one type of trade off between the two of them. That's that's fair, but he's playing thirty two point eight minutes a game. I don't think Covington really plays any more than that, and I don't know that Jordan Bell plays at all, unless they're like Jordan Bell is going to be a matchup option for them. Where if they are playing somebody big, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Rockets try to make another move where they grab just somebody they can throw in there against like Jokic in the playoffs for a little bit. So I think that's why maybe we disagree on the cutting of the minutes because. I think Jordan Bell does play a bit of a part here on this team because they, unless unless they make another move, and I certainly think they could, 
Jordan Bell is going to is going to need to play in the cases of playing against some of the bigger centers in the league. And uh, I like Jordan so- Bell. I, and I like Jordan Bell. And I think he's a decent fantasy asset. Huge bump to him. I think he could be a fringe standard league guy. This is something and- I, I never like to see for a young player, though. Ready for this? 14.2 minutes as a rookie. 11.6 minutes for the Warriors last season, down to 8.7 this year on a new team in the Minnesota Timberwolves. That all that always worries me, man. When the minutes keep trending down for a young player, that that's never a positive sign. You're you're not wrong. You're certainly not wrong. I think Minnesota was a weird fit for Jordan Bell just overall. I'm not gonna like they, use my top him? waiver wire on him. Why they signed him was weird to me just because like they have Gorgie Dang who they're paying a ton of money and has proven that when he gets minutes, he's good. So I don't know why they wanted Jordan Bell too. Yeah, kind of kind of a weird move there. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run out and pick up Jordan Bell in my standard leagues, but I think if they do not make another move, Jordan Bell is is gonna have to play enough minutes in, in, in Jordan Bell in, you know, good minutes, like I'm talking about twenty seven plus type minutes is a fringe standard league type of player. I think he can get you good good rebounds, decent blocks. And yeah, like I I I think Houston's gonna have to figure out something. So without any other moves here, I think Bell does play. Might be in matchups is- only, but I think he does play. But I think Robert Covington obviously plays more minutes than he has been. He's only playing 29 minutes this season. Bump that up for sure because you know how Houston likes to play. And I think that really cuts into Daniel House. Now, I don't know why I'm thinking about Eric House for some reason. Like, I think, you're, Eric mixed, House I think you're putting Eric Gordon and Daniel House as one person. I'm, I'm, I'm like a thousand percent positive. There is an Eric House. Did he play on Cleveland like a thousand years ago? Who am I thinking of? Eddie uh, House. I don't Eddie know. House. Yes. Eddie House. I was going to say, I don't remember of. this Eric House. I also didn't know Eric Gordon's nickname was The Hobbit. I don't think I've ever heard anyone call him the Hobbit. That's very, very strange. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that either. Daniel House, if he plays like 20, even if he just drops a few minutes, I still think he's somewhat, you know, nine cat fantasy league relevant. Eric Gordon, kind of just a streamer for three points. I think you can kind of safely, you know, not have to keep Daniel House or Eric Gordon on your roster if you don't want to if there are better people out on the waiver wire, but both of those guys, I think get hurt by the addition of Robert Covington on this team. Okay. So let's go, let's go to the Timberwolves now. I have a, I have a nice, I have a nice way to, if you have a nice way to read this now, I have one, but if you got one, go for it. Yeah. So the Timberwolves, let's just forget what teams they came from. That doesn't matter. Right. They got Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner and Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt, not going to play. Didn't play a second for Denver. Not going to play a second on Minnesota, I don't think. So we can maybe just forget that part. I think, you know, Beasley and Hernan Gomez are both going to be restricted free agents in the offseason, correct? Yes, I think that is correct. From everything I've heard about this trade, that, you know, Minnesota's looking at them as pieces that they're going to basically match an offer sheet and keep. So you got to think they're both going to play some if that's really the case and they could maybe be the guys getting the biggest boost out of this trade, both those guys, because they weren't playing a ton, ton 
on Denver, which is obviously a really deep team. And Denver, you know, looking at their side of it, like I think they traded those two to open up some time for Michael Porter Jr. Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right about the Michael Porter Jr. piece. They could be really the three biggest kind of winners in this as far as from a fantasy aspect, just because those three guys could be seeing a lot more playing time. Let's also not forget, and I, I, we, I don't think we, we mentioned it because it was a little bit ago, but Jeff Teague is no longer on this team. He's back on Atlanta for some unknown reason. Does Atlanta Another, keep just like getting back all their old players? Like, we were not winning with know. these new guys. We'll just get all our old fellas back. We used to win back then. Did they bring back Paul Millsap and Al Horford? This is some sort of conspiracy. I'm going to be real suspicious then. I'd actually like to see the Bulls just, you know, start doing this, bring back Lou Dang, Noah Rose. <laughs> Run it back, you know. Get Taj Gibson on the team. That'd be. Ex- I would go to the. I would actually go to the game. I, I'm not going to any more games. Like I'm not giving them any more money. But if they did that, I would happily, happily go to the game. Maybe Atlanta's pulling one of those. I don't know. So I will say this about Malik Beasley: if he's going to play, he's been a pretty good steals guy, as far as per minute numbers. We're looking fairly good three point shooter, thirty eight point two percent for his career, which is pretty darn good, well above league average. Hasn't shown a ton in rebounds or assists, though, really. So he could just be kind of like a decent points and steals guy who shoots some threes with potentially bad field goal percentage and doesn't get to the free throw line a ton. So I wouldn't get super, super excited about him for fantasy, but he could be kind of a streamer option if he's playing 28 or 30 minutes a game. I think he's the guy who ends up in this deal playing because like, he's got the best path to like getting to 28 to 30 minutes a game simply because there's just, there's plenty of room for him on this team. You know, Eric Culver should have basically taken over this team if he was ready because they didn't have any guards and he didn't, and he's not, I don't know where else they're going to go. Like there's, there's plenty of playing time for him sitting there. Why not take like, why not take us like, a flyer on him, get him on the end of your bench, see what happens. If you need those type of stats, right? If you if the steals are interesting to you, the steals and the threes, and maybe his assists bump up a little bit. Yeah, that's what I mean. If they put the ball in his hands more, you know what I mean? Yeah. He could be a decent assist guy too. Like because we've seen players in the past go from not getting that many assists because they're just playing more as a secondary creator and then you know get the get the kind of keys in their hands and, and be good in assists. So that's a possibility for that too. I, I like him to be possibly the breakout guy in this in this trade from Minnesota. Everybody else, even Juan Hernan Gomez, if he's going to play, okay, cool. Like I don't, I don't know that we really know what he is in this oh. in this sense. Like he's never really gotten an opportunity to play even like a 25 minute a game role at any point, you know what I mean? Like he's always kind of in and out of the rotation or he's playing 10 minutes a game or 15 minutes a game like you know, what is he? I don't know. I honestly there was don't a know. Brief period of time, I think last season, where he was playing a ton of minutes, and it was like, oh, this guy's got some got some skills. He hit he's hitting threes, getting rebounds, and like he's been like nothing, absolutely nothing since then. Like even when he's playing like 23, 30 minutes a game this this season, he just doesn't do much. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he's just got like a nagging injury that we don't know about for like a year and a half, but like he kind of just fell apart. I mean, he was starting in Denver for a while, right? 
last year. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So don't know, man. if he, if he can get a start here, I I'm, I'm starting to get, I, I will start to get very interested in it, but I don't think he's going to get a start here. Like, I don't think he's going to play more minutes. Well, actually, he'll play more minutes than Gorgie Dang, even though Gorgie Dang's like a monster in, in 28 minutes. He'll probably still play oh, more minutes than Gorgie Dang. Well, like, yeah, because Dang and, Dang and Towns can't can't play at the same time. Right? There's that Timberwolves stuff. I mean, Ken Hernan Gomez play, play next to Towns. That's the key to getting him a lot more minutes. And I think the answer to that question is it probably goes better than it does with Dang and Towns. So, but Gorgie Dang barely playing one and Hernan Gomez. I just, I just don't see him playing more than, you know, 20, 22 minutes a game. And if that's the case, I'm not, I'm not really interested in him. Fair. I think that's all fair to say why Denver made this trade though. Right. They gave away those two young guys and they got back like a couple of maybe rotation pieces in like Shabazz Napier and Noah Vonley. And they got back yeah. key debate stop and a Gerald green who's injured and out for the season. Correct. I, I kind of, Dig the Nuggets move here because they got a first round pick. Granted, it was from the Rockets, but they got a first round pick. And, and then, then the reports are trying to trade it, right? They're trying to move it to get something else. Yeah, so it's a piece. It's a it's a piece that they can move. Shabazz Napier, who hopefully you guys have been riding that hand in in Minnesota, is a very solid backup point guard. And with some of the injuries they've had from their guards this season, might be actually kind of needed. Bates Diop is a, is a solid rotation player. Noah Vonley isn't. Ba- I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Noah Vonley is bad at basketball. I think he's fine. He could come in and give you a solid eight to nine, twelve minutes, and not like make you lose a game. So, like as a as an organization, for them to open up some room for Michael Porter, who is, by all means, from what I've seen, very damn good. I like it, and I like it because it gives value to Michael Porter when I mostly thought he would just kind of be a fringe bench guy who gets good minutes and limit good numbers in limited minutes. I think he's he's poised to be the guy who benefits the most on the Denver side of the equation for sure. And and then I, th- I mean his his big bugaboo is is staying healthy. I think he's super talented if he can stay healthy. I think Shabazz Napier starts at point guard for Denver. No, but I could see oh. that maybe happening in a playoff series when they need someone that's an actual point guard because Jamal Murray's not really a point guard. He is not. It could be interesting. I'm going to keep an eye on Shabazz Napier. He had a nice little run there over the last month or so. So I'm going to keep an eye on him. But if Michael Porter Jr., who is, I think, currently available in 60% of Yahoo, no, 40% of the Yahoo leagues, he's available. So he's owned in 60%. So far in this trade, that's my the flyer I'm taking. Like, I think Bell could have an upside, but I don't think his upside is obviously not as good as Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr., definitely the best flyer to take so far in this trade. Yeah, and, and if you look at just like, you know, the small sample size where he's actually played a little bit, like I can read the stat line, it's pretty, pretty intense. So he's missed the last two games with an ankle injury. But in the nine games he played before that, he was averaging 14.9 points, 9.6 rebounds, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks. 2.3 three-pointers made on 46% from the field and 86% from the free throw line. That's pretty, certainly s- sounds that's, good. That's better than a waiver wire guy, right? Like that's that's a guy that should be owned in all leagues if he's producing those kind of numbers. And obviously that's only a nine-game sample size, but he was also only playing 25 and a half minutes a game in that sample. I I don't I don't know what 
if you're in a, I don't know what some of these leagues are waiting for because if you're in a shallow league, I get it. He's not playing every game, kind of hurts you a little bit. If you're in a roto league, though, go pick him up. If you're in a standard league, take a flyer on him, especially now after this trade. I like it. I like it a lot. And that's, I, and I'm going to keep an eye on Shabazz Napier just in case yeah. they end up giving him the minutes and lets him keep this run going. But I've already dropped Shabazz Napier in quite a few leagues just because yeah. there's there's better guys on the waiver wire. And if he reduces at all, I'm out. And, and that Denver team is just so deep that they could kind of put him on the fringes pretty quickly if, if they decide to do that. And then the last Look. team in this trade is, is Atlanta, and they got two centers, right? They got Nene and they got Clint Capella, and Nene's hurt, and I don't know if he's going to play at all. He's a poo-poo person. He's just a big turd just laying around on the court. Never, never liked that guy. Not once. So the, que- the question is, does it affect Clint Capella's value at all? Good question. I think Clint Capella really thrived in that system that D'Antoni had, but there's no real reason to believe that Trey Young, who arguably is a better creator than James Harden, don't quote me on that, won't love playing with him. This hurt John Collins, I think, is the better question, because they're going to be running pick and rolls strictly, I think, with Clint Capella, because you can't really put Clint Capella anywhere else other than in the pick and roll while John Collins has a little bit more versatility to move to kind of a four, like a stretch four, if he really if he really wants to. Clint Capella, if anything, is going to play. He's been playing about 33 minutes a game for the season. Lately, he's been, that number's been down, so it's definitely been a buy low period. I don't think it hurts. I don't think it hurts his value at all. Yeah, me neither. You mentioned it, though. It's going to be interesting the to, rebounds. See what, to see what they do here in this sense that you know, he was running a ton of pick and rolls, like 28.7% frequency. John Collins was running a pick and roll with Trey Young. So that could hurt his value a little bit, right? If he's not the one running the pick and roll most of the time. And Click Capella was only running at 17% of the time for the Rockets. So, and he did not rate as very good in that, especially this season. So it'll be interesting to see how they split the, that pick and roll between those two. Just don't know what else yeah. you're going to do with Clint Capella. I mean, you could kind of just put him on the weak side and let him crash in there for an offensive board. That's true. I'm worried. I'm worried that it hurts John Collins' value. He takes a hit in rebounds. Maybe takes a hit in points just because he's he's not getting a, a couple easy baskets that easy putbacks or easy baskets that Clint Capella might take from him. The big worry is it does something like what we've seen with Miles Turner where right him and Sabonis started playing together and now Turner is pretty much strictly a jump shooter and that that's kind of hurt his value a lot this year so there's a little bit of worry for that I don't know that it's it's real yet but I get where you're coming from I don't think I would do anything about it though like I don't think I'm trading him away because of Mm. the fear that it may hurt him no because I think if anything Atlanta would say all right we're John Collins is gonna you know, definitely play for us. Like Clint Capella might just be an asset for them, but John Collins is, is their future. So I'm not worried about them being like, all right, let's start benching John Collins by any means, but you're right. They could end up just being horrible together and affecting value. If anything, someone's excited about Clint Capella right now, maybe I'd move Clint Capella. 
but yeah, other than other than that, you know, I'm I'm holding on to John Collins. John Collins is too good to take a a speculative trade. Unless you're, you know, unless you're fleecing someone, I'm holding on to John Collins. And I'm probably holding on to Clay Capella, though. I'm a little bit more interested in moving Capella than John Collins. I'm with you on all that. Yeah. What an exciting, what an exciting start to the two days of trades that we're going to get, apparently, because tomorrow the trade deadline, I believe, is is it 7 p.m. Eastern or is it like 9 p.m.? When is it? When is it? 3 p.m. Eastern. What? They moved yep. that up on me. Right in the middle of the day. Hey, I kind of hate that. I don't and like me too. it. Well, and, and the weird part is too, like you, you see, and I guess they want to get them in before the game start. I guess that's the th- like the thought process behind it. Give but a shit. You you see them like rolling until like usually around four o'clock because they have to make the call by three. But if there's like a lot of activity, sometimes you don't hear about a trade till like three, three thirty, four o'clock. But I don't know, it's just so weird because like the ones that happen right at the deadline, like unless you're right by the computer, which it's always a weird time to be right by the computer or the television, it feels like you kind of miss out on some of those, especially if they're smaller deals. Yeah. Ooh, breaking news. Dylan Brooks has agreed to a three-year, $35 million extension with the Grizzlies. Congratulations, Dylan Brooks. Well, and we know that's going to now definitely keep him on the, on the Grizzlies, right? And they sat out Jay Crowder tonight, so maybe he's going to get moved and the Warriors set out Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third. So you got to think maybe those two are going to get moved. Very um, interesting. Obviously the Gallo the Gallo thing is still in talks right now with OKC. We might have a whole lot more to talk about tomorrow. Yeah. So I mean, don't get too hyped, right? But there could be a lot of moves real fast. Uh, any any speculative move you would make that's just kind of like a I'm willing, like I'm desperate. I'm like in the middle of the pack, or maybe even like the top of the bottom. I really need to make. A a move before the trades hit. Is there anyone you see out there who could like drastically improve their value right now on not just any of the teams we talked about, but just any 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 team in the league that you see out there? That's like a it's like oh man, if that happens, it's on for that player. Oh man, that's a good question, right? Then question. I think think it's always hard to one hundred percent decide this because a lot of it has to do with opportunity and like what player gets moved right not just the minutes but is it somebody who's handling the ball a lot is it somebody who you know maybe is taking a lot of shots so it makes the question a little bit difficult to answer but there's definitely some guys i think the knicks fired scott perry because he didn't want to trade marcus morris which means i think marcus morris gets moved to somebody between now and the trade deadline he could see so, a real cut in his in his right, right, but and he could see a real cut in his shots. But he's scoring almost twenty points a game for that Knicks team. So whoever comes that's, in, right, that's a situation where if somebody comes in, maybe they're just giving the keys to someone like RJ Barrett if he's healthy and, and looking good. You know what I mean? So that's a situation there that I'm looking at. Uh, they've been talks that they're maybe going to try to trade Dennis Smith Jr. too. I don't know what they'd give for Desmond Jr. at this point. Probably not much of anything. But the Knicks are a team that definitely I think you could see blow it up. And there could be kind of some fantasy value all over that that landscape. So that's in the situation I'm watching. The Warriors, if they trade Burks and Robinson, especially if they just get picks back, someone's going to have to score for that team. And we've talked about this all season. Like They're not scoring that much to begin with. 
Burks is averaging 16 points a game and Robinson is averaging around 13, right? So yeah. trading away 29 like points, points from that team, like someone's going to have to step up. Is that somebody Damian Lee? Like, I think that could be a guy who maybe is a top 100 player for the rest of the season by default, just because somebody's got to do something on that team. Okay. I like that. So there are two kind of situations I'm watching. And then I think every year we see one trade kind of come out of nowhere. So I'm looking forward to that maybe more than anything. It's just like what one can surprise the heck out of me. And I think it's probably going to go down because I think we see one every year. Keep your eyes open. Who knows? Maybe even the Spurs get weird with it right at the deadline. And then, you know, you got your guys like Derek White, who, you know, if he's playing 30 some minutes a game, a lot more interesting type of player. I'll even throw a quick shout out to my boy Thad Young. I've never seen a player get such a raw deal. Then uh, that's not true. I've seen other players get worse deals, but Thad Young is getting so misused in Chicago. He's still, you know, not playing starters minutes, even though there are no starters on the damn team. He's he's, he's the best player the best stuff you know front the weird court part. player a front court player on the damn team and he still isn't playing and the weird part is with that marketing injury i was like all right it's on now he's gonna get it and he's still not really getting it i thought with the window carter jr injury i was like yeah here we go thad young pick him up in all leagues and i did then i've been sitting on him and then lowry got hurt and i'm like hell yeah now it's really on and christiana felicio is playing like i don't i don't know what it's to do they- tyler they did sign him to that giant contract when we, we were both like, what, wait, what will happen now? So maybe, maybe they just feel like they got to justify their, their signing. I don't, I don't know, man. That's a, you know, that what? organization. I, yeah. I can justify not giving them any more money for the, for the remainder of their, of the Garpax's tenure there very, very easily. But Tyler's, like you said, exciting, exciting trade deadline time. We're going to pick it back up. Tomorrow, once the nonsense, the craziness is over, we'll be hitting you back with a recap of all of the trades that happened tomorrow because I'm pretty sure there's at least going to be one or two. Tyler, what do you got to plug and where can people find you on Twitter? You can follow me on Twitter at Tyler Watts and you can check out all my work at The Smoking Cuban for the most part, my fantasy articles. I write one right now for Hashtag Basketball, the weekly schedule preview that comes out every week so you can enjoy that too and you can find me at watch the boxes like i said really glad to be back thank you all for all your support we do this for the fans you guys are great all you listeners are the best and especially our patreon subscribers patreon.com slash watching the boxes help support the show we appreciate you and we will see you tomorrow for the trade deadline thanks for joining us <laughs>